listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. This particular part of the book of Acts, if you got your Bibles, you want to find out where we're going to be, it's in the book of Acts. Uh, This could not be the more central passage of the book of Acts. So you're going to have to tell everybody when you see them, when you see that they weren't here, you're going to go, you're going to have to go online and listen, or you're going to be lost for the rest of the time, or at least you're going to be behind because everything that the book of Acts has to say is keyed in on this, on these verses in this first chapter and everything after it is built upon this foundation. Acts chapter one is where we're going to be. I remember in 2002, Hollywood put out a movie. It was produced, uh, it was made by Sony and it was one of the most highly anticipated uh, movies at the time. Uh, I remember there was a lot of buzz about this one character that was finally going to come to life on the big screen. His name was or is Spider-Man. 2002 was the first Spider-Man motion picture and it was going to be epic. If you read comic books at all in your in your childhood, then you'll know that Spider-Man was easily relatable because he was a kid who all of the sudden became able to do amazing things as the result of being bitten by what? Uh, not just a spider, a radioactive spider. Now, how that spider got radioactive, I'm not really sure. Bottom line is it doesn't matter. It was radioactive. A young man by the name of Peter Parker got bit, and out of that, he became Spider-Man. Now, in the Spider-Man movie from 2002, Peter came into a conversation with his uncle, Ben, who we know ultimately uh, was killed by an enemy and it kind of became the mantra of why Spider-Man is what he is. And in this conversation between Peter Parker and his uncle, Ben, his uncle, Ben said something to him about great power. Uncle Ben looked at Peter and he said, Peter, with great power comes great See, y'all go to the movies. Yeah, I know. You like Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. And that line has been used and reused and reused. With great power comes great responsibility. In this passage today, we're going to learn that God has given his people The people of the followers of Jesus Christ, by faith in his death and resurrection, those that have chosen to receive Jesus by faith, God has given us power. And with that power comes great responsibility. In the passage that we're going to work through today, we're going to see three wills. Three wills. You will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. So if you know Jesus as your savior, God through the writing of the, of, of the man Luke, the physician, in writing this account to his friend Theophilus, he's going to tell us the things that will be reality in our life. As I think about what will be, I think about how excited I was in 2013, I believe it was, when I got to go to Israel. And and I was sitting with a friend of mine who was telling me all of the things that I would see. And he said, Kevin, you're going to see the dome where the temple once was. Kevin, you're going to see the place where they believe that Jesus was crucified. Kevin, you're going to see, you will see things like the garden tomb that very well may have been the tomb, but at least it was one like that. Kevin, you will see the Dead Sea. Kevin, you will see Masada, the the, uh, great fortress in the desert of Judea. You will, you will, you will. And I was so excited about the things that were going to be reality in my life. But you know what I had to do? 
I had to get on a plane. I had to ride to New York and I had to get on a plane and I had to ride to Istanbul and I had to get on a plane and ride to Tel Aviv. When I got off that bus, I had to get on a bus or got off that plane, I had to get on a bus to go to these. Those were all things that were going to be a reality in my life, but I had to respond. Acts chapter number one. Last week, we looked at the first three verses to kind of just give a foundation of how we're to understand these things that we're going to be studying for the next several weeks. We're going to be in the book of Acts till summertime's over, okay? So this is where we're going to be. And we've talked about how that, that this is a book about what the Holy Spirit did in the lives of the apostles who were given the responsibility to continue the work of Jesus once he ascended. And now picking up in verse number four, we're going to read all the way through verse number 11. Here's what the scripture says. And while staying with them, he, talking about Jesus, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things as they were looking on, he was lifted up, And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that in these few minutes we might take to heart what you have said will be the case for your children. Those who have by faith trusted Jesus, the crucified and risen Savior, as the the Lord and Savior of their life, as the forgiver of their sins, and those who have placed their trust and faith in him. You've told us what will be the case. We ask that you will help us to understand so that we might respond and that we will walk out of here with different mindsets then we came in. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Okay. The three wills. The first one. You will be baptized by or with the Holy Spirit. Verses 4 and 5. It says, and while staying with them, staying. This is a word that also could mean eating. The bottom line is while hanging out with his disciples. Remember. Jesus has been crucified, Jesus has been buried, and then on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And for 40 days, Jesus was with his disciples. Now, I don't know that he hung out with them all the time because we see pictures of where, not not real pictures, we see pictures in the scripture where Jesus appeared to them out of nowhere. And then I'm assuming that out of nowhere, he just disappeared over a time of 40 days just being with them whenever they needed him to be with him so that he could teach them and now he's with them and he tells them look don't go anywhere stay in Jerusalem and I want you to wait for the promise that I have given to you from my father well what promise is this that you're talking about well Andy, we won't go through all these verses. I'm going to explain them. In Luke chapter number 11, verse number 13, Jesus had said something to his disciples about how that the father who loves to give good gifts to his children, if you ask him, will give you the Holy Spirit. And I remember thinking those disciples probably thought, give me the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Which would have been very odd for them at that time. In Luke chapter number 12, Jesus told his disciples, look, when I'm gone, 
wait a minute, where are you going? Just, no, no, no. When I'm gone and you're going to be in places where folks are going to argue with you about who I am, don't worry about that because the Holy Spirit is going to remind you the things you need to say. And I imagine those disciples were probably like, what? What, the Holy Spirit, how's, how's he going to remind? Where is he? I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. In Luke chapter number 24, as Jesus is speaking with them, having been risen from the dead, and now Jesus is communicating to his disciples, he's telling them some things that were very important, things about him from the scriptures so that they could understand. And then he said that I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. What is this promise, Jesus said? The promise that I've been telling you, the Holy Spirit that I've been communicating to you is going to come and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to ask you, has anybody ever seen anyone be baptized? I mean, if you've ever seen someone be baptized, when we do baptism, in fact, we've got one probably not too many weeks from now coming up. It's going to be exciting. What we do is we take a camouflage hot tub out in on the portico underneath the shelter. We fill it up with water. Everybody gathers around and we get over in the water and we, we lay someone down in the water and bring them back there. What does that signify? Well, We believe that scripture teaches that baptism is a public display. It's a public pronunciation of the fact that I'm with Jesus. I want everybody to know that I'm with Jesus. And in the ancient world, when someone was baptized, they were identified with a teacher, with a group, or a teaching. And the same is true when we baptize. When we baptize people as followers of Jesus, they're identifying themselves with Jesus in his death and resurrection. So Jesus says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What does this mean? Well, it can be confusing unless we just understand what baptism is. It's an identifying with. Think about this. He says that the Holy Spirit is going to come and identify you with me. They were his followers and they were those that had seen him crucified and now he's risen and they're believers. And what in the world is going on? Jesus says, just hold on. It's all a part of God's plan. The next part of this plan is that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to identify you with me. Now, a lot of times folks get this misunderstood with the filling of the Holy Spirit. Those are two different things. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the act of God whereby we are joined with the body of Christ. It's a one-time occurrence, and it's for all believers without acceptance. When we come to know Jesus as Savior, the Holy Spirit takes us and plunges us, if you will, into the life and death of Jesus so that we actually become identified with him, a part of his body. Jesus talked about it as being born again, born a new. Now we're part of the family. Of course, this happened for the very first time in this particular book. But since then, every time a believer comes to know Jesus, they are baptized, if you will, by the Holy Spirit into the body of Jesus. Now, the filling of the Holy Spirit is different. And we're going to see examples of this in the book of Acts. We're going to see people who have been filled or are operating in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The filling of the Holy Spirit seems to be when a believer is operating under the control of the Holy Spirit through surrender to him and dependence upon him. And we're going to see that happen when a believer who has been identified with the body of Christ by the baptism of the Holy Spirit lives under the control of the Holy Spirit. When we allow him to lead us and to guide us and to speak through us and to, be, and to use us in whatever way he desires to do that, then you would say that's walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, 
Something is going to happen brand new for the first time ever in human history. For the first time ever in human history, you who are followers of me are going to be baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ, being a part of the family of God. And it doesn't stop there. No, no, it doesn't stop there. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In fact, John has already talked about this. You remember John the Baptist? When he saw Jesus coming up, he says, look, and this is in Luke 3.16. He says, look, Jesus is coming. I'm baptizing you with water, but he's coming who's going to be able to baptize you with the Spirit bringing you not just into identification with a a teaching or a repentance, but bringing you into identification with God in a real sense through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But not only you're going to be baptized, and and I'm sure the apostles were probably going, we don't get it. Well, we don't understand what you're talking about. And I'm just going to ask you to hold on because when we get to chapter 2, you're going to see what happens when God shows up like he promised. But hold on, Jesus said. Don't, look, don't let that get you all out of sorts. You'll understand when it happens. Just don't go anywhere because God's doing something brand new. And remember, this is a book of transition from one way of approaching God by faith through the law. Now, the new way of approaching God by faith in the lamb, Jesus, the crucified one. So Jesus said, don't let that throw you off. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's going to happen. But also, verse number eight, he says, but you will receive power. So this baptism of the Holy Spirit brings about not only identification with God in a very real sense, it brings about power. Well, that sounds like a good thing, don't it? Having power sounds like a fantastic thing to have. I I think about uh, what I can't do as a human being. There's a long list of things that I can't do. There are heights. You ever seen those folks that that are working out in the the gym and they've got those those platforms that look to be about 10 feet tall. They're not, but they're about four foot tall and they, from a bottom, from, from flat foot, they jump up on top of those platforms. You ever see them do that? I can't do that. Okay, I could probably, and I don't even know that I could jump to this step, right? But I see them and I go, well, look, they can do it. And they just leap up there. And I go, yeah, I can't do that. I've seen folks that, that run fast, jump far. They can do mathematical equations. They can do things with computers. And I can't do those things. So I'm incapable of doing it. It would be nice if I had the power to do them. Jesus said, you're going to have power. You will receive power. This word power means being able to or capable of doing something. What is it that they're going to be capable of doing? Like, let's go back because I know with kids in the room, they know about the superheroes. And you know what happens when superhero gets their power. Superhero has the power, and then they decide how they're going to use the power. They're either going to use the power for good, or they're going to use the power for evil. That's why we have superheroes, and we have supervillains, right? Because they have power, and then it's how they use that power that determines whether or not they're a hero or a villain. It's not that way with this power. It's it's not we have power to do with whatever. Now, there's a, a show that your kids probably saw. Shazam was recently out in the theaters. He was given power, and then he had to decide how to use it. It's not that way with this power. What actually is this power? Look what Jesus says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, in just a few days, 
is going to identify you with me in a very real sense. As followers of me, as believers in me, you're going to become joined together with me in a very real sense, which is true for every believer becoming a part of the family of God, a part of the body of God. And when you do, the Holy Spirit is coming to dwell with you. He's going to be with you. Think about what the book of John has to say. John 14, 16 says this. Jesus was telling his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. John 14, 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness of me. John 16, 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you to be with you, to be in you. When we come to know Jesus as our Savior, not only are we baptized into his death and resurrection by the Holy Spirit, making us a real and vital part of the body of Christ, we also have him in us. Now, how in the world does that work? Does anybody have any idea? Of course you don't. How is it possible that the Holy Spirit indwells every follower of Jesus? I don't know. But Jesus says, I'm going because I can't physically be with all of you but if I go then the Holy Spirit will be the presence of God in all of you wherever you are so which would you rather have the long line stretching around the world to have an audience with the Savior or would you rather have access to the one God through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it's a much better deal. It's the plan of God. Just sit tight. Because when he comes, he's going to identify you. He's going to dwell with you. And he's going to give you capability. This idea of power. Whatever is required, God will provide the power. I would love to be able to do that kind of thing in just normal living, right? I reach a, a mountain that needs to be gotten over. I would love to be able to just leap over it. If I came to a, a well, most, uh, most average way, if I come to a traffic jam, and we're about to take a trip, and I come to a traffic jam, I would love to be able to just lift my car and launch it all the way over. I would love to be able to have the capability of meeting any obstacle. And while those types of things are not what God is talking about here, he is saying that I'm going to give you ability where you don't have the ability to do what I've called you to do, to accomplish the task that I am laying before. You don't have the power to do what I'm about to ask of you. You don't have the capability, but God does. And I want you to know that in him, you have the capability to accomplish any and everything. We're capable to, able to accomplish all that God has given us. You think about Philippians 4.13, where Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And while I love the movie, The Facing of the Giants, The Facing the Giants, 
really that verse is not exactly about playing football, though memes and posts on social media will say, got a job interview to do, but I can do all things, or I got a report, I got a class I got to finish, but I can do all that. Look, here's what that verse means. That means whatever God gives me to do, I can accomplish it for his glory. It doesn't mean that I might win the game or lose the game. It doesn't mean that I might get the job or lose the job. It doesn't mean that I might make an A or fail the paper. The idea, the promise is that whatever God gives me to accomplish for his glory, I have the power to accomplish in my own strength. No, by the Holy Spirit living within me. It's not mine to use any way I want to, but when I step into the direction God has called me, when I step in and embrace that that God has given me, I have the capability of doing whatever it is he said to do. If I didn't, then how frustrating would it be for God to say, now I want you to do this. I know you can't do it, but I'm going to laugh at you while you try. That's not the way it works. I've given you the power, and it's in the person of the Spirit who lives within you and dwells there with you. You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. When you come into identification, relationship with him, you'll be given power to be, he says in verse 8, my witnesses. You will see power in the Holy Spirit's come on you and you will be my witnesses. What is a witness? The witness is a word that's, uh, in, in the Greek, it's the word martis. Martis. This is a word that means one who testifies in court. A witness. You, you ever seen court shows where the witness stands up and he goes, you promise to tell the whole truth, not but the truth to help you got? I swear, very good. May sit down. Then the lawyers ask questions and then they respond to the questions with truthful answers. This witness is carrying the idea that this is someone who knows the facts of which they're testifying for because they've seen it themselves. Jesus says, I want you to represent me in all of the world by testifying to what you have seen and heard. And what had they seen? They had seen Jesus' miracles. They had heard Jesus' teaching. They had seen Jesus crucified, and they had seen him risen. And I want you to be a witness to what you have seen and heard. The reason I tell you the word is martis is because we get our word from this martyr. Does anybody know what a martyr is? A martyr is someone whose life has been taken from them because of their testimony to the fact. Those who have given their life for the cause of Christ throughout history, they have testified of Jesus, the only Savior, the crucified and risen one. They have been told, if you keep saying that, we're going to kill you. And they just continue to testify even though it cost them their life. A witness, a testimony, someone who is communicating the reality of what they have seen. You will be my testimony. You'll be my witness. Where are we going to be his witnesses? Jesus tells these that are gathered with him, he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's where you're going to be. You're going to be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. That's the immediate surrounding context or area of, of country. And you're going to be my witnesses to the end of the earth. Well, where is that? Well, how far can you imagine? How far will the ship float and is there land to cross after the ship hits land? As far as you can think, as far as there are folks to be told, you're going to be my witnesses. And can you imagine these guys sitting around going, how are we going to do this? I don't even have money to pay the rent. How am I going to get to the ends of the world? Judea and Samaria, they're never going to hear what we have to say. Jerusalem, this place is absolutely going crazy because they're trying to figure out how you got out of the grave. 
we can't do this. And Jesus says, I know. That's why I'm giving you power. Because what you can't do, God can do. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. Right here, and we're going to see chapters 1 through 7 of the book of Acts shows how they were, in fact, witnesses in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 through 12, we're going to see a record of how they were witnesses in Judea and Samaria. In chapters 13 through 28, we're going to see how that the gospel, the witness of Jesus Christ, gets all the way to Rome. And from Rome were roads to every place in the world. How did they accomplish that in 30 years of time? You'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit, identified with the body of Christ. You'll receive power to do what you can't do by yourself. And then you're going to be my witness right here, out there, and as far as you can imagine. Now remember, Kevin, you're going to see the old city of Jerusalem. Oh, man, that's awesome. Kevin, you're going to see the place where they think they laid the Son of God. Oh, that's going to be awesome. Kevin, you're going to see the mount where he went and he prayed with his disciples, that place where he's actually going to return. You're going to be able to see. Oh, man, that's going to be fantastic. Kevin, you're going to see the, the, the place where David went and hid while he was on the run from Saul. That's going to be awesome. But what did I have to do? I had to get on a plane. I had to get on a plane. I had to get on a plane and a bus. All ready. All available. In fact, all expense paid. But I had to respond. And so did they. When I was uh, sharing a little bit of this with some, with some kids, uh, Winter Haven Christian School invited me to come to chapel a couple weeks ago. And those of y'all who don't know, our kids go to Oasis, and Winter Haven Christian is their rivals in basketball. And when they called me and said, would you like to come do chapel? I, I was like, y'all do know who I am, right? Y'all know that I'm, I'm, I'm the part of the... And they said, yeah, we know who you are. Why don't you come share? And I did. Oh, it was so much fun. We had a great time. And I shared with them about this. And I, here's some of the things that I said. I said, guys, you know what? God has given power to those of us who know Jesus as our Savior. You know what? That He's given us that power to do. And they were like, what? I'm going to look at this. Here's some of the things that God has given us the power to do. God gives us the power to say yes to the things that Jesus says yes to. You know, there are some things that Jesus says yes to in his word. Here's what I want for you. And you know what? They can be kind of challenging. To say yes to some things that Jesus says yes to can, can be a bit of a challenge. Why? Because we don't want to say yes to those things. We want to say yes to other things. We're like, if I say yes to that, I won't be able to do it. You know how we, we decide whether or not we're going to do this. Or that. But if I say yes to that, I won't be able to. And, and if I say yes to that, then they're going to be mad at me. And then I'm going to get in trouble with them. And then they're not going to like me. And Jesus says, but I'm going to give you the power to say yes to the things that I say yes to. You know what else Jesus gives us the power to do? He gives us the power to say no to the things that he says no to. You know, we're always struggling, wanting to, you know, Jesus is like, no, 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 don't do that. In my word, I say, that's not for you. <laughs> that's not where you need to be. And we're like, I know, but this is more fun than what, no, it's not more fun. It'll actually bring you more heartache. It'll actually bring you more trouble. And we're like, oh, I don't get it. I don't think I can. He goes, yes, you can. Well, I can't. I, yes, you can. If, if you know me by faith, then you've been identified with me by the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's made you a part of the body, and I've given you the power to say no to the things that I say no to. And the only time Jesus says no to things are when they're going to hurt us anyway. He doesn't want us to step into that stuff. 
He gives us the power to say yes to what he says yes to. He gives us the power to say no to what he says no to. He gives us the power to advance his kingdom. You're like, how am I ever going to be able to do that? I can't make a bunch of bread and fish out of a lunchbox full. I can't do that. I can't give sight to the blind, cause the, the, those that are crippled to walk. I can't do all those things. He goes, you can do anything I've told you you can do. And if I tell you to break that bread, you break that bread and watch what I do. Otherwise, get on the plane. Get on the bus. You're going to do what I've called you to do if you'll simply respond. You'll have the power to advance the kingdom. Here's the last thing that I told those kids. I said, you know what else he gave us the power to do? He gives us the power to stand against the opposition. You know, sometimes we face opposition that can be kind of scary. Sometimes we face those that are coming at us that we think, I'll never be able to stand against these. And God says, you don't have to worry about them. I've already handled them. He's like, well, God, they're going to overwhelm me. He goes, look, they might overwhelm you, but they can't overwhelm me. If you'll step into that, you can stand firm against those that would oppose Christ. Not go at them with a baseball bat. Not threaten them on social media. Just stand as a witness for Jesus. Just stand on the facts and the truths of God's word. And you go, I can't. He says, I know you can't, but I can. And I've given you the power. Say yes to what he says yes to. Say no to what he says no to. To advance the kingdom in any crazy, unbelievable, unimaginable way to stand against opposition i've given you the power he's also given us the power to make disciples he's also given us the power to live in unity with one another but we got to get on the plane we got to get on the bus it's we got to decide because this is not power that we can go you know what I'm just going to use this for my own glory. I thank you so much for the power and I'm going to use it to advance myself. It doesn't work like that. To use my strength to advance myself will be a losing venture every single time. But if I step into his calling for me, then there's nothing that can stop me from accomplishing what he's called me to do. On Wednesday nights, we've been sharing some of these thoughts with the teenagers. There's a temptation to spend our time on Wednesday nights telling kids what to and what not to do. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that Jesus says yes and no to in the scripture. But about a month ago, I decided, you know what? I'm going to spend a little less time talking about what to and not to do. I'm going to spend a little bit more time talking about who they are in Jesus. Give them a glimpse of what Christ has for them. So that maybe a handful of them that are paying attention will go, wait a minute. I'm a follower of Jesus. You telling me? that I can accomplish anything God wants me to do, that I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm the smartest or not. I don't have to worry about whether I'm the strongest, the best looking, or I have the best upside than anybody. I don't have to worry about how I compare to anybody else, what I do and don't think I can accomplish, how I feel about me. Are you telling me that I can do whatever God has called me to do and nothing can stop me? The answer is, that's exactly what I'm telling Now, guess what? That same thing's true for you and me. We can accomplish anything God's called us to, but he's only going to activate that power when we step into what he's called for us. And what is that? To be my witness. You're going to walk in my ways. The things that I have taught, you're going to step into it, and it's going to prove true. Whether you're in the workplace, whether you're in the, the, the schoolyard, or whether you're, uh, you know, wh- wherever you are, wherever God's called you, you're going, when you advance me, I'm going to give you the power to accomplish everything, anything. Let me just throw you out an impossibility, can I? Can I just throw you out an impossibility? 
We'd not taken one mission trip. We'd not gone anywhere since I'd been here to my, to my shame. And I'd apologize and say, I feel bad. I've been here 10 years and we took our first mission trip last year. We, we took this year off. Kids are going to camp. I got things that, that I'm doing with them. And, and so we said, let's take a year off and let's gear up for 2020. Here, here's this crazy idea that I have. What, what if we sent three teams to three different destinations next year? What, what if we sent a team of folks um, to Portugal? How far is it to Portugal? How much will that cost? Pastor Kevin, I don't have that kind of money. I didn't ask you that. I said, what if we thought maybe God wanted us to go to Portugal to help a missionary that we are supporting who has said, Pastor Kevin, if you guys can get here, you will be a tremendous ministry aid for us. So what if we decided that some of us are going to Portugal next year? And, and, not, and so those go that way in airplane. And then we decide that we're going to go to Wrangell, Alaska, because we've got some other missionaries up there who have been very faithful through a lot of adverse circumstances, physical health, and just the turnover in Alaska. What if we sent another group of folks up to Alaska to hold a vacation Bible school type Christian camp uh, thing, and maybe even have a teen camp? I mean, we've even got folks in the audience who know a lot about that. What if we were to do that? And you know what? Those folks have said, I talked to, I texted with, with Doug the other day and he goes, man, I'd love to plan on camp for 2020. I said, I'd love to send you some folks. And then what about number three? What, what if we were to go back? Those of you who got to go to the Dominican Republic, what if we picked one or two of those ministries that we got, uh, introduced to and we went back for a week just to help them sending a team could, do we have the money to do that? Let's just answer that question. No. We can't. Can we afford this? No. We can't afford it. Do we have time to do this? Well, goodness, no. We're so stretched thin as it is right now. We ain't got time to do that. But what if God were to step in and say, sound like a plan? So here's my question right now Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If you don't, then let me tell you, God loves you. How do I know God loves you? God loves me because he gave his son to die in your place and for your sin. Paid for your sin on the cross, was buried, and then rose on the third day to prove that that sacrifice had been accepted. If you've not by faith trusted Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. Just recognize your sin, your need, and embrace him who's provided for your needs. You know Jesus as your Savior? If the answer to that is yes, well, guess what? You've been identified with the body of Christ through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got power to accomplish anything and everything God has called you to do. Number three, will you even consider how God wants to use you in Portugal, Alaska, the DR. Oh, that ain't possible. Is it? Is it? I've got the power to accomplish anything that he's called me to. Christians, knowing this, knowing that we have, not at our disposal, but at our access the ability to do everything and anything God's called us to do. Why, why do we live like victims in this world? Christian, why, why do we live like we don't have a chance and, and we're this losing minority of groups of people in, in this world of rising tension and, 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 and fear? Why, why do we live like victims? We're directly connected to God. He indwells us and empowers us. Why do we stay distracted? Why do we stay paralyzed from the mission we've all been given? 
Why do we continue to just run around in this little, this little existence of ours, just trying to make day to day happen so that we can arrive at some future thing we have in mind, some, some, some future destination based on how long I've worked and how much I've saved and where I can travel? Why are we so distracted in that little pinwheel instead of realizing the mission? we've been called to. If you know Jesus as Savior, you've been called on mission to be my witnesses in spectacular ways. Christians, why do we remain defeated, approaching life in the weakness of our own strength and for our own purposes when we've been given a new destiny, a new purpose, and the power to accomplish it. Christians, why do we not choose to believe that God wants to do unexplainable, amazing things through us? Why why don't we believe that God wants to do this? Why does it just have to be one little boy named David and only a sling he took Why do we want to believe that it was only Joshua and those that marched around? Why do we want to believe that it was only Calvin and Luther? Why do we want to believe that it's only Billy Graham that can have that kind of an impact? Because guess what? You got the same power he had. Why do we limit God? Why do we not rise up and humbly embrace that in Christ On mission with him, we are unstoppable. Why do we not rise up and embrace that in Christ, on mission with him, we're unstoppable? Why do we not do that? I think we've been fed a pile of lies. That God wants to do that and all he wants us to be is in the corner. No, sir. No, ma'am. He's called us with power to be witnesses. Unstoppable. Stand together with me, if you will. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know Jesus as your Savior, Here's what I want you to do. I want you to say these words out loud. I am a child of God. Now I want you to say it like you really believe it. If you're a child of God this morning, if you know Jesus as Savior, I want you to say, I am a child of God. If you know Jesus as your Savior, I want you to say, I have the Holy Spirit in me. If you believe that you have the Holy Spirit in you, I want you to say, I got power. I want you to say, it ain't my power. I want you to say, it's his power. If you believe that you are a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit within you, you have power, I want you to say, I can accomplish anything for him. I want you to say, in him, I'm unstoppable. Why would we stop ourselves? Christian, you can do and be everything God has called you to do and be. But you got to embrace that. You got to step into it. You got to believe it. You got to want it. And it ain't going to be the stuff that you want God to do through you. It ain't going to be the things you're like, I just can't wait till I step into an audience and this happens because no it's going to be God showing up because you just get on the plane and God being faithful to what he said just because you step into what he's called you to
Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the truth of your word. You've given us power. So often, we step over into our own strength. We live frustrated, we live aggravated, we live incapable because we're trying to do life on our terms, in our way, for our own purpose. You've made it real simple. He said, kids, you're going to be identified with me. It's going to be a work of the Holy Spirit. He's going to make you a part of my body. And he's going to indwell you. He's going to give you power so that you can represent me. Anywhere you go, everywhere you can imagine. God, I just want to confess our sin of living in the weakness of ourself when every day we could step into the power that you've given us. Be successful at what you've called us to do. Just representing you. God, I know that we're all over the spectrum this morning. I know that everybody's in a different place. I want to lift that one that may not know Christ as Savior and help them understand it's not about what they do for you. It's about what you've done for them. Help them to see Jesus crucified and risen, offering forgiveness, salvation, new life to all that will just simply respond by faith. And God, I ask that you'll help us to evaluate where we're at in our walk with you. I pray that you'll help us over the next days to begin to believe what we've said out loud. I can say yes to what you say yes to. I can say no to what you say no to. I can advance your kingdom. I can make disciples. I can stand against opposition. I can live in unity with my brothers and sisters. May you guide this church. May you guide this body. May you guide every life toward those unexplainable, amazing opportunities that you intend to use for your glory. God, give us the courage every day to get on the plane, to get on the bus, be used by you. In Jesus' name.